uh, as I mentioned last week, we are engaged in a four-week sermon series around the red letters of Jesus, uh, four teachings from Mark's gospel. Jesus loved to tell stories. He was a great teacher. He was a wonderful rabbi. He was a tremendous pastor and, and healer, but he loved to teach. He loved to spend time with children and with young adults and with uh, those who were in the margins and, and really with his disciples, with his core group especially, and, and teach them through examples. And he used object lessons uh, like apples and uh, like, like scaffolding. We're, we're renovating our hearts, as we've been saying, in the same way that we're renovating our space around here. Uh, the lessons that we're learning uh, these weeks are basically a, a master class. They're a master class with Jesus, the second of which we read today. I invite you as you're able to stand here in the sanctuary or if you're joining us online, stand where you are uh, in honor of the reading of the gospel lesson. Listen for the word of the Lord. He also said the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow, but he didn't know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk and then the head and then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest time has come. Jesus also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and it puts forth large branches so that all the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of God. For the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When our girls were young, like many of you, I had the uh, frequent privilege to undergo a religious experience we know as managing the carpool lines, yes? And one of the tactics that, that I like to use to calm anxiety was to sing with my girls before I dropped them off, uh, and when I picked them up in the afternoons, I wanted uh, a happy song in my girl's heart. I, I had heard the, the Chinese proverb that one bird does not sing because it has the answer, it sings because it has a song. Have you heard that proverb? So before heading into the grind of the academic arena and learning all the answers about all the subjects that would be in their minds, I wanted them to have a song in their hearts. So I introduced them, as only perhaps a dad could do, to the classics about which they all, they both needed to know. Some of those were gospel hymns, a cappella groups, Broadway, but then the true classics, like Bon Jovi and Def Leppard. But it's interesting that the one song that stuck with my girls was a song by Alan Jackson, a country song. It was called Little Bitty. Do you know this song? We still laugh at that song, 
Uh, and the many times that I played it on my CD player, now a CD is a small synthetic disc that would be mounted, <laughs> for those who need that archaic technological, yeah, right. The chorus of this song says, it's all right to be little bitty, a little hometown or a big old city, you might as well dance, you might as well smile, life goes on for a little bitty while. You've heard that chorus? Well, Caroline Cooper, she loved one of the verses. It says, a good old boy and a pretty little girl start all over in a little bitty world. A little bitty plan and a little bitty dream, it's all part of a little bitty scheme. It's all right to be a little bitty. A little hometown or a big old city, you might as well share, you might as well smile. Life goes on for a little bitty while. When I got to that line, or when Alan Jackson, rather, got to that line, a good old boy and a pretty little girl, Caroline would say, that's me, Daddy, that's me. And I would say, yes, baby, that's you. And it's all right for you to be little bitty right now because you're going to grow up and become an oak that's planted by the streams of life. And she has. It's funny how a song can create one's fondest memories, is it not? Alan Jackson says, it's all right to be little bitty. Jesus said a few things about it being all right to be little bitty or to have a little bit, just a little bit of faith. All three of the synoptic gospels, you know that word synoptic, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, all three of the synoptics tell these stories that I shared with you just now. Uh, although Luke tells it a little different. He talks about if one has uh, enough faith and it's scattered sort of lavishly, you know, wantonly even, it'll grow into a tree. Matthew and Mark are more alike. They say that by such little bitty faith when sown, or that is intentionally planted, as Lucas was, was mentioning, it becomes uh, a vegetable or uh, a tree. Matthew even says if you have such little bitty faith, it can move what? Mountains, that's right. As Mark talks about having a little bit of faith, just a little bit. And when it's planted, it becomes the greatest of all the, the shrubs on whose branches little birds find rest and shelter. The gospel writers agree that, uh, that small seeds like a mustard seed produce something great. They become a shelter. They give rest and shade, but whether those seeds are scattered or intentionally sown is quite irrelevant in my mind. The seed goes where it goes. It goes into the ground. And honestly, in, in the first century in the Roman world, the size of the seed was actually ir irrelevant compared to its final function, its sharp taste, its medicinal benefits, and how it grew so rapidly and copiously. Uh, but that aside, the gospel writers, especially Luke's version, in defining that end product, which comes from a mustard seed, they just tell us something miraculous is happening. That a seed that is nearly non-existent grows into something like a tree. Something that's nearly invisible becomes something that's so visible. And I think one of the main imports is that over time, Something little bitty becomes that which is purposeful. 
I really appreciate the work of Dr. Amy Jill Levine. She is a Jewish professor of the New Testament at Vanderbilt. And I love her work. I commend her work to you. What she does that is helpful for me with this, te this text is she lays it alongside the parable of the leaven. Are you familiar with that story? You, you know that story. The baker secretly hides some yeast uh, in a little bit of dough so that when baked, the presupposed flat bread becomes King Hawaiian bread. That's how it was formed, right? It came from that parable. But the two parables, they, the one of the mustard seed, the one of... Leaven, they share something in common from their teacher, Jesus. They share size. A tiny seed, a tiny portion, when hidden, produces an unexpected result. With just a little bitty portion of yeast, a little bitty seed, there is a rising. Even more, these parables, they, they share something in common because they, they offer us two of life's basic necessities, bread and shelter. But they're also so extravagantly invitational. The bread feeds more people than originally thought, and the mustard tree, once insignificant, it now shelters more, more birds than, than one could ever dream. Amy Jill reminds the church that like uh, beginning with yeast and ending up with bread, the movement from seed uh, to plant produces something desirable and something that is more than the sum of its parts. With yeast and with seed, one can do very little. But with bread and with plant, so much may be gained. So it's all right to be a little bitty or to only possess a little bit of faith because with God's grace, the product is life, abundant life. So I want to say just two or three things about that. First, how is it possible that something with a nearly invisible beginning yields such an exponential harvest. This parable, it's about transformation. It's about the change of a story. It's about the unexpected becoming something more than we ever imagined. But it's also a parable about faith. It's also a parable almost like a photograph of Jesus' own life. Think about it. Born in an insignificant town called Bethlehem to an insignificant family, he changed the course of history. And he would later be laid in the ground himself and covered up, right, buried. Because with God in that moment, Jesus was caused to rise up. And I think if we believe that about the power of resurrection, that something's born so insignificantly and, and, and seems so insignificant in the eyes of the world could be crucified and buried in, in a tomb and thought, we're just going to put him away. But yet he could rise up and the church would become global. I, I think if we believe that about the power of resurrection, then this says something to us today as well. And to that second point, I'm reminded of a song by David Crowder the chorus of which says, I am a seed that's been pushed down into the ground, but I will rise up a tree. I really like that song. I suspect that many of, of you listening today from afar and near, and near feel small, maybe insignificant, 
perhaps people or situations have pushed you into the ground and it feels like the darkness is all around or we feel buried by complicated relationships or piles of debt bury our insignificantly seeming lives or we're buried alive in a hectic schedule. Can I get an amen to that? It does not feel all right to be little bitty in a world that constantly makes one feel little bitty and continues to poke us down into the ground. Why do we do that to one another? Why do we do it to ourselves? I want you to hear the good news today that that Jesus was also pushed down into the ground, but he arose as the bread of life. And he even said at one time, come to me all who are weary and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest like the branches of a tree. I want you to hear today that your life as a child of the almighty God is never insignificant, no matter what people may say. You might feel like a seed, but within you is life and eternal possibility for greatness. The ground into which we feel buried might just be the fertile soil that God uses to grow you into something magnificent. Another way to think about this parable, my friends, is for the people listening today who want to do more and to be more, but patience is wearing thin. If we know anything about baking and farming, which I don't, once yeast is inserted and seeds are planted, they are to be left alone and to become what they are intended to become. If we keep fiddling around with dough, the yeast will not rise. If you keep unearthing the seeds, they will not germinate. We are part of God's process and part of God's timing. Maybe we need on this day to release control of trying to constantly make life work out so perfectly and yield the process of discipleship to God by getting out of God's way. I want to encourage you to let yourself rise and grow. I also want to encourage you to let others rise and grow. Finally, uh, Amy Jill reminds us that the location of Jesus' parables is so important. With these two parables she references, one of them happens in a kitchen and one of them happens in a field out back. Common, ordinary places is where God's kingdom may be found. The kingdom of God, we are told, is here and now. We do not have to stargaze or look for cryptic messages on billboards or for faces of Jesus and our cheese toast from the Waffle House. It doesn't work that way. God's kingdom is here and now. It's all around us if we will develop our eyes to see and our ears to hear. It's in the small things. We learn it from Jesus. He said it himself. It confounded his disciples. He said, the kingdom of God is here and now. And everybody looked around. They were looking for swords and shields and a legion of of army to go battle the powers of this world. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is found in everyday life. It's found in healthy relationships and complicated ones. It's found in words of celebration and and also in words of comfort. You'll find such fields planted 
uh, with seeds and the sharing of a meal with friends. You'll find the kingdom of God in common places when reconciliation happens between enemies. You'll find the little signs of God's kingdom beginning to break in in the world when a soul whose anger has been transformed into patience and tolerance. You'll find God's kingdom present in every situation, no matter how desolate or challenging it may seem. And I believe grace works best in those places. With a little bit of faith, just the size of a mustard seed, God's people will rise. God's people are rising every single time humanity works together and feasts together and rests together. We're simply called, if you will, to go out on a limb and to love one another by finding ways to share a meal and to live at peace. On a very personal note, I I believe God prides himself in the small things of life that bury us because I know that God's work is all about raising small things and buried things to new life. That's part of how our stories are redeemed. God's work, the church's work, my brothers and sisters, should be focused on the small, fragile, broken, overlooked, improbable people through whom the kingdom of God is sprouting. That could be your life. It might be the life of a friend. I believe God's kingdom agronomics might even be found in the life of your enemy whom you deem negligible. Jesus asked all of his disciples a very important question. It was in the parable I just read. With what can we compare the kingdom? I find it in the little things and the overlooked people. And I think we are to sow and to scatter seed along the way as we do so. That's where we'll find the kingdom of God. Just think what a little random seed of kindness might do to brighten someone's day. How much would a seed of inclusivity planted and watered by God's grace grow into a tree under whose shade people who are oppressed might rest? We know that a little bit of joy goes a long way for someone who has been overcome with burdens. And with just a little bit of faith, what and whom will God grow and bring together? I got a call this week from an elderly Baptist woman in Marion, Alabama. She reached out to me recently to affirm God's work that happens here each week at First United Methodist Church in Montgomery. She watches religiously, and by that I mean religiously. Her entire week is oriented around worshiping with us. So she called, and she did so to say how grateful she was for the recent information that she received telling her about our our preemptions on our primary station and how she could find us at a different hour and a different channel. And guess what? She followed the instructions to a T, and she's been watching 
on a different hour, on a different channel, on the weeks we're preempted, because she religiously watches First United Methodist Church. She called to say thanks for the Pentecost service that we offered a few weeks ago. And she shared something very powerful with me. She shared how she felt connected with our church in a spiritual way like nothing she has ever experienced. And then she even asked a, a very lovely question. Where do you find such incredible musicians and vocalists? What well are you tapping into? <laughs> I said, well, they are exceptional, ma'am. And I, I missed the chance, I guess, to share with her how um, we all began as seeds planted in the fields of God's kingdom. And by God's grace and a little bit of water from the Holy Spirit, we've started to rise up. And the kingdom of God continues to grow in all of the voices of this beautiful choir and through the hands and feet of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who serve through this church every single day and have done so for nearly 192 years. Well, in that short phone call, I, I actually heard the words of Jesus. And I know this particular person is watching right now, so she'll hear this. Jesus said, to what can we compare the kingdom of God, Jay? The kingdom of God may be found in the smallest seed-like words of affirmation and encouragement of a retired educator in a rehab facility in Marion, Alabama, who took time to call a pastor from her own physical therapy to let a church in Montgomery, Alabama know that just a little bit of faith to do God's work is a seed-scattering journey where hope and peace and joy are planted in lives. Oh, I might not ever meet this person, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and she planted seeds in my life that I pray will continue to grow and bear their own fruit. Have we enough faith, my friends, to continue cultivating relationships for God's kingdom near and far. It's a beautiful thought. There's one more song that's special to me and to this choir and to our church. It really reminds me each and every time I hear it that it's all right to be a little bitty. As the choir comes to get into place, I, I want to pray the words of this song as they prepare now to lead us in this response to the word. Let us pray together. We give praise to you, Lord, because you are Lord of the small broken things who sees the poor sparrow that cannot take wing, who loves the lame child and the wretch in the street, who comforts their sorrows and washes their feet. Praise to the Lord of the faint and the afraid who girds them with courage and lends them his aid. He pours out his spirit on vessels so weak that the timid can serve and the silent can speak. Praise to the Lord of the frail and the ill who heals their afflictions and oh, or carries them till they leave 
this tired frame and to paradise fly, to never be sick and never to die. Praise him. Oh, praise him, all ye who live, who've been given so much and can so little give, our frail lisping praise God will never despise. He sees his dear children through mercy-filled eyes. Thanks be to God for being Lord of the small. <laughs>